How are we doing, folks? My guest today is going to be Veronica Paulson. Veronica is a pro skier who burst onto the scene last year when she won the Kings and Queens of Corbett's event in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, by becoming the first woman to land a backflip in Corbett's Kuar. Corbett's Kuar is one of the most legendary runs in all of the world. In this episode, we go through and discuss Veronica's drive and determination and grit and perseverance that she's had to show along the way to overcome some of the obstacles and setbacks that she's dealt with in her career so far. We also discuss where she has her sights set now and how she's adapting to a new world of getting into the ski film industry and what that means for her. I hope you folks enjoy Veronica's journey of failures and successes so far. Also, In the Arena is donating $250 on Veronica's behalf to the High Fives Foundation, which provides support and hope for extreme athletes that have had to deal with severe injuries. I hope you folks enjoy, and please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks, guys. Perfect. We are rolling. Hello, Veronica. Hello, Bobby. Long time no see. It's good to, uh, good to finally uh, catch up a little bit before we kind of get things rolling, got to talk about how, uh, how life's going. And um, it's been really fun and exciting to watch you kind of tear it up. You know, we used to be teammates back in the day and now you're off uh, reaching new heights and new goals and, you know, former queen of Corbett's and all kinds of fun things like that. So we're going to get into a lot of good stuff today. Yeah. 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 Thanks. It's good to always catch up with the mogul crew. I feel like it's, it's been a while and it's kind of weird to see them like, friends on my mogul team because I like was never the best skier on the mogul team and now I feel like there's a few of us have taken in, into pro skiing so I don't know it's fun to talk to you guys yeah no for <laughs> sure for sure so one of the things when I was kind of going through and, and doing some of the research after you got out of mogul skiing and kind of started to get into some of the big mountain stuff and everything from from Jackson, which um, figure we get into some of the negative stuff first, and then we can get into the positive stuff after because, you know, those failures kind of lead your way into some of those successes. And I know for you, as you kind of started to get into Big Mountain and kind of started to explore that, one of the goals is you wanted to be, you know, with, to land a backflip in Corbett's. And you had tried that multiple, you know, had multiple failures with that until you finally did it uh, last year and you're the first woman to ever do it. So I kind of just want to touch on some of those failures kind of starting out as you got into it. And then finally, you know, seeing the video and the euphoria and all the feeling of finally kind of tackling that goal on that mountaintop at, at the time for you. So if we could just touch on some of that, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think a lot of people know it was kind of, it was a whole, it was three year process before I finally landed it. Um, and I think like a whole kind of prior career of failure in a sense with mogul skiing kind of prepared me for this um just because I mean you know how long I would think I was mogul skiing for like 10 years and like how many times I'd go to competitions and like not make finals um and so just being used to that failure and like not seeing it as a negative um which is hilarious looking back because I I remember the first time I did the backflip into Corbett's and I was like, wow, I was pretty close. Like that was pretty sick. And I look mm -hmm. back at the video now and I'm like, oh my God, that was horrendous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that says something to my like mental capacity to kind of like see it as a positive, even mm -hmm. if it was like, uh, like really bad. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, take me a little bit kind of into that, that mental place because it takes a certain kind of person, you know, I've been, I went to Corbett's 
and skied Jackson when I was pretty young. I mean, I was probably like 11 or 12. We went on like a weekend trip up there. And it, I mean, that is probably the most well-known and like legendary inbound run in the U.S. for sure. I mean, Corbett's, you know, there's always lines of people just, you know, kind of skiing up to see this insane shoot and it's, it's kind of crazy. So, I mean, what is that mental process? I mean, you got to have a little bit of a bolt loose to be like, you know what, I think I'm going to huck a backflip into this thing and I think I'm going to ski out and I'll be just fine. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think part of it was like the adrenaline. It was since I've been trying to like do this pro skiing for, thing for so long. And this was like my big break, you know, it was like a Red Bull competition. It's super televised. They've got like camera people all over the place. So getting up the first year for that competition I was like I really need to throw some stuff down like I need to like prove myself as a skier at mm -hmm. that point I was still like waiting tables and um I was like I don't want to do this forever <laughs> like I need yeah, to. of course yeah yeah um and just the camaraderie up there the the kings and queens competition is so different than any other competition um because you're not like worried about qualifying for the olympics or anything it's all just like a bunch of like friends essentially pushing sure. each other mm -hmm. so the first year there were actually three of us girls that tried the backflip and we all kind of got together and we're like let's fucking do this right yeah. i don't know if i can no, swear. You, you can swear away <laughs> okay cool <laughs> um yeah and it yeah where was i going with this i think um the group of girls you kind of all got together about doing, right. you were doing the backflip yeah right yeah so it was it wasn't like I was the only one that had a bolt loose. I think like we were all just trying to prove ourselves. And um, in Jackson, there's that huge, it's, it's almost like Squaw Valley. Like, you know, there's like almost a bravado of like how well you ski and you want to like represent everyone out here in Jackson and like yeah. prove that we moved here and like, we know our, we know our stuff. So. Yeah. So what kind of brought you into going towards big mountain and stuff like that because i mean you kind of finish you like you said you have um some failures along the way with with your ski career didn't go where you wanted to at least mogul wise you put a lot of time right. and energy into that and then you kind of go off and you get your degree with school and everything else and then are, i mean are you kind of at a crossroads or where, where, where does that kind of lead you yeah. like okay do i want to go get a normal job in, you know, Silicon Valley or go back to San Francisco or like what, what's that thought process? Kind of talk me through that a little bit. No, that's exactly right. Like I was at a crossroads and, um, after so many years of, I mean, part of it was, it was two things. It was, um, after so many years of like failing at mogul skiing and kind of going on this downward trajectory. And it was like this thing that I used to love growing up. I was like, so passionate about skiing and then mm -hmm. it kind of ended in this place where like every competition you're like crying about it and and I just had to like I had to have one more year just to like just to remember like why I liked skiing you know sure. I was like I yeah. can't and if I end mogul skiing and never ski like I would just move to the beach and never ski again and I didn't mm -hmm. want to do that so part of it was just like finding the fire again and like trying to remember why I loved skiing and the other part was I had spent, I didn't really like have the option of getting a good Silicon Valley job. I mean, I kind of did. I like had the degree, but I, everyone who graduated with me, they spent their summers doing internships. They did all these like research papers. Mm -hmm. They're like way ahead of the game. So I was like, if I do this computer science thing, like I'm not going to be, 
I don't know. I'm not going to be where I want to be. I'm not going to be like True. one of the top prospects. It's going to be like hard for me to find a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of, it felt like I like didn't have any other option. I was like, I better make the skiing thing work. Cause I'm either going to be like a mediocre desk person mm-hmm. or figure out this skiing thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of sounds like you're saying, you know, it's almost like a little bit of like desperation. Like you really want this to work because you feel like you're not going to get the career aspirations in, you know, computer sciences and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting to me. I mean, you know, when they go through and they're picking these jobs and everything else, like you spend 10, 15 years of your life, like not doing stupid academic shit. And not that that's all stupid, but at the same time, like you're in this career path and you're, you know, trying to make the Olympics or trying to reach your highest achievements and all these levels. And, and I feel like it's kind of overlooked the amount of experiences and, and life events that you really gain that some normal person that just, you know, went to Stanford, it's a great school, but has no other, you know, kind of real life experiences and knows, doesn't know what to happen when they're in Chile and they can't find a taxi and they have to go try to learn another language and try to get a ride home or whatever it may, you know, I'm just, yeah, whatever no, it may be, you know, we've had those nights in Chile where it's like, oh shit, how are we getting home? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, it bugs me so much. And I imagine that NCAA athletes go through the same thing where mm-hmm. like technically you graduated, you went to school, but you were like not prepared to get a job and no, and mogul skiing especially is like so niche of a sport. Like people don't even know what it is. Sure. So when you say you were on the NORAM tour or working towards becoming a professional mogul skier, like people don't, aren't really like impressed by that. And, um, in like the tech world, for example, um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, I think it prepared me for a lot and I wouldn't take it back. I'm glad I did it, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. Talk a little bit about some of that, that kind of desperation. I mean, is that really kind of what, what drove you at the time? I mean, is that what drives you now? Like, you know, I really want to make sure that I go out and I'm, I make this work because I really don't have anything else to, to fall back on. I mean, is that kind of how you embrace it or how, what, what's kind of like your mentality into this new foray and kind of big mountain and everything else there? That's definitely what drove me like before I landed the backflip, because um, like I said, I felt like I couldn't get a job. And then um, like the further you get away from graduating, I was waiting tables and skiing mm-hmm. and um yeah, I, I think I also like lost the ability to like sit down at a computer and like focus for hours. I was like, <laughs> I just cannot envision myself doing that or like living mm-hmm. in a city. Um, yeah, I, the, yeah, I had, a, I remember because I was, I always say I, I was waiting tables at night and I like had this moment where we like was, we were serving this party and it was like midnight when they finally left and they were like really rowdy. I was like 23 at this time. So it was before. Okay. I landed the backflip, but I was still like working on it. And I was like cleaning up this person's vomit at midnight. And I was just like sat there and was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, is this all going to be worth it? Like this better be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love looking back at that moment because that was like such a low point. And I'm like really glad I stuck with it. Um, so, I mean, those kind of moments though, I mean, those are those low, low places and things that you can look back on that kind of, spur you to to really get over the hump and and realize uh your potential i mean it's so crazy that you know simple thing is and and it's not simple but i mean it's just like that one moment of the backflip landed and skiing out i mean it was huge i remember it was everywhere 
on everything that had to do with winter sports. It was like, holy shit, check this, check it out. Was on I was like, ESPN. I, well, she was my teammate. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's crazy that just that one moment has certainly like started to define you to this point. But I mean, it's, it's f- for me looking at it, it's like, oh, that's just the, that's just the starting point for your career and your potential. I mean, I've known you for years and it's like, oh, Veronica's a hard worker. That's just like the start. Just give her like a few years to kind of get into this and her drive and passion for sport and everything else. I mean, I'm, it's going to carry you the rest of the way. No more waiting tables and worried about, uh, you know, vomit at midnight. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. It wasn't just, I mean, it was desperation for sure, but also like what kept me in this industry for so long is like a passion for the sport is mm-hmm. you can't, you can't spend like 15 years of your life doing something if you don't love it. Right. Um, and that's something that was certainly reignited for me when I moved to Jackson. Um, just getting kind of like a fresh look and meeting all these people where when we were skiing moguls, it was all of us, we were skiing moguls, but we were like working so hard to like achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. And in Jackson, everyone's here, like not trying to be an Olympic skier. They're just here because they love skiing. So Mm -hmm. like being around that um, really like really helped me like mentally and just everything, just like immersing yourself in like the culture and the sport and everything. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was like half skiing moguls, but I was also half going to school and I'd spend the summers home in California. And Mm -hmm. looking back, I realized like, you're really not going to get anything done when you're trying to split yourself three ways. Like you have to figure out what you like and like, go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to be like half in, you know, it's either going to have to make that commitment and, and that step. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's really refreshing to, to hear, you know, just, you talk about finding your passion and all those things. Cause I mean, that's most of the reason why people in most sports and athletics and everything else, they get into it originally because they love it. And then you do all the other stuff and hopefully that passion continues to kind of carry you through. And it's always interesting to, you know, with some of the other guests and stuff that I've had on about, there are those hard times. It's like, well, you know, everyone finds burnout and, and all those things happen. So it's kind of um, great to be able to find that new, refine the passion and reason why you love it. Because, you know, there's a lot of friends and people that we know that like don't ski at all anymore because oh, yeah. they did it for 15 years and like, Oh yeah, I'm over it. I don't, I, if I never ski again, I'll be perfectly happy. I never need to go on the hill again, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Man. And mm-hmm. I, I really didn't want that to happen to me. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I still get burnout. Like even now, sure like having this, like my, whatever dream come true is like, there are days when I'm doing exactly what I want to do. And I'm like pushing myself on big lines and filming. Mm -hmm. And there are other days when I have to like film a fake beer cheers 10 times and be like, look, (laughs) look at this sweater I bought. You should buy it too. You know? And it just feels stupid. But, um, I think you, in anything, you have to take the good with the bad. And if, if I have to do those few days of dumb stuff that I don't like to do to be able to like pursue this life, then mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Now, what, how different, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier with the competition and the camaraderie of, you know, Kings, Kings and Queens of Corbett's, but how is that now? I'm just curious, like the difference in like, you're going to find like the filming and, and that whole aspect. Cause I mean, it's so different and so removed from what a lot of other people kind of do, you know, I mean, you have those main goals and things that are set out, whether skiing wise or sports or everything else. And it's easily seeable. It's easily attainable where this is kind of much more of like filming lifestyle, making, you know, the art 
and, yeah. and the beauty of that kind of skiing. So kind of just take me into some of the insights of that. Yeah, it's way more wide open. And mm -hmm. as soon as I, I mean, you still find your goals, right? You still like, you pick lines and you say, I want to land a flip off that. I want to do this, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, as soon as I stopped competing and started filming, I realized that I was like really not good at competing. Um, I think a lot of times you either, when you're being judged, you either rise up and you ski like over your ability. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that do really well in competition. Or for me, I was always so worried about like qualifying for the next competition that I yeah. always ended up skiing like 80% because I didn't mm -hmm. want to fall or like gotcha yeah too worried about it so the filming kind of allows me to like not worry about any like external forces mm -hmm. like judges yeah whatever they think and i just get to like yeah just push my skiing like at the very base level like that's what it is is i'm like trying to get better at skiing every day and it's just been so much more fun and like collaborating with filmers and photography it's it's like kind of blending athletics and art and it's like opening new doors for me and i i just love it so what is like some of the, you know, when you're at a typical day in Jackson and you're going up there, I mean, what are you, what are you looking at like filming wise? Cause I feel like it's a whole, I am not a very artistic person is so outside my world. So I'm just kind of curious, like you're just looking up the hill, like, ah, oh, there, I want to, I want to kind of go down that or how, how does that collaboration kind of work? Yeah. I mean, usually it's, it's like you tell the filmers, you're like, this line looks really cool and I really want to ski it. And they'll say, okay, well, like I'll film it from over here and we need a bluebird day or it's not going to look good. Mm -hmm. um, and well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like you film it once and then you watch the film and you're like, okay, maybe if you like scooch over like 10 feet to the right, then it'll look cooler. Um, just having everything. It's what I've realized is so hard because I've been filming all season and uh, we still haven't gotten that many shots is like the weather, the athlete, the gear, the photographer, like everything yeah. has to line up to get like mm -hmm. one good shot. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been literally every day I've been filming. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a good thing. It beats waiting tables. <laughs> that's true. But that's at the, true. so at the same time, I mean, it's, it's crazy watching those films and it really makes you kind of appreciate them a little bit more because, you know, you certainly know now how much goes into each one of those ski films, snowboard film, any kind of those, you know, surfing action sports. I mean, just to get, to get the shot, the amount of attempts that it, that it kind of takes and, and everything else. So, I mean, is your plan to kind of stick more with the filming or are you planning on going in and doing more of the world free ride? Because that's kind of like the big mountain tour world free ride pro tour, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I did some of the, when I first um, retired from moguls and first moved out to Jackson, mm -hmm. I did some of those, the like qualifier events mm -hmm. and I found like the same thing happened. I think I'm done with competition. I think I'm only going to focus on film. Mm -hmm. um, but the same thing happened where I had like, a few really good results at first mm -hmm. and then it's like the judging got to me or like the points list or whatever and I just saw this like downward trend okay. um, and part of it is like you spend so much time like traveling and then you know how it is you like you wait at the top of the course all day you get one run and then you watch all your friends and then yep. um, you end up like not skiing as much and I mm -hmm. felt like I was getting worse at skiing right we're filming it's like 
I mean, you're waiting around for the, the light and stuff, but every day that you're out there filming, you're pushing yourself and it doesn't matter if you fall. Cause sometimes like that's just as good of a shot than if you, you right. know, like to see yeah. the process of you falling five times and then landing it. Mm -hmm. So as you've gotten into it, I mean, do you feel like you've become a better skier, kind of better athlete, better mentally, all that stuff that that's kind of helped? I mean, what's, what do you think has been the biggest part of your growth so far? Um, I mean, so much with, filming I think I think getting away from the pressures of competition has really like leveled my mental game mm -hmm. um and just all the the I've lived here for six years now mm -hmm. been getting into the backcountry more and more and all the skills you learn from people and it's not just skiing right it's like being mm -hmm. safe in the backcountry um knowing like what shots are going to look good and what's not going to look good um yeah, I think I think mostly for me, it's like taking the level, the like pressure down, mm -hmm. helps me a lot. When it just feels like I'm skiing with my friends, yep. and there's no pressure. Like I ski a lot better. So I feel like it kind of just allows you to grow a little bit more. You're not you're not inside your head as much. You're kind of just out enjoying it, kind of allowing your full kind of potential to come out on exactly. film and yeah, coming through. And that's just me. I mean, obviously, there's so many people that that do way better in competition than they do in mm -hmm. practice. But I think the key is just like finding, finding what fits for you. Mm -hmm. And so a part of like what fits for you, I mean, what, what are some of those habits or, or things that you try to do to kind of keep you on point, keep you in the right kind of mental state you need to kind of perform your best when you're um, out there on the hill? Yeah. Um, I was actually trying to think about this and this one's, a little tough for me because like I said before with filming it's like so uh it's everything's changing all the time like we mm. are texting each other at 8 p.m the night before like figuring out what we're doing the next day okay and you have like plan a b c and d um so a lot of it is just for me like getting in the rhythm and being like comfortable with being uncomfortable like being comfortable yeah. with things changing all the time and like not sticking to the plan mm-hmm like you said, like being in Chile and like not right. knowing where your ride is home. Um, yeah. So, so kind of that, being able to pivot a little bit, kind of like, okay, here we are. All right. Game plan. Weather looks good today. We're going to go. Okay. Kind of right. pivot from what, you know, what you need to do and kind of being a little bit adaptable. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and like mentally, this is going to sound weird, but like crashing really helped like having a tough crash and like be walking away and being okay, like really helps me mentally, like not be as scared or nervous about like big lines that I'm trying to set my sights on. Okay. And I think that's just part of, okay, I'm perfectly fine. Everything's okay. Totally. <laughs> We're all good. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that every time he drops into a big line, he tells himself, he goes, it's just skiing. It's just skiing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's like the mentality that I like to bring to yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, because at the end of the day, that, that is what it is. And there's a lot of harder things you could be doing, like waiting tables, right? Right, cleaning <laughs> up someone's vomit. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, so for people that kind of, you know, if they want to pursue a career in action sports or kind of get into the same lifestyle, filming and, and those aspects, I mean, it's a, it's a hard cutthroat industry for sure uh, even though it's a little bit of a niche like what what kind of advice or uh words of wisdom would you kind of have for them if, if that's the career they're trying to pursue um well 
I can only say what worked for me. And for me, at the end of the day, it was just like blind persistence, right? Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was everything we talked about earlier, like using your failures as a, like just trying to look at your failures in a positive light. Mm -hmm. And um, at first it used to be really hard for me, but if you let yourself go down the rabbit hole and like talk to yourself badly and say like, oh my God, I screwed up. I suck at skiing, like blah, blah, blah. You're only going to internalize those messages and you're only Mm going to get worse. Um, And I think the like years of failure, like the whole career of failure with mogul skiing has allowed me to every time I, I fail, I see it as a stepping stone. It's almost like, it's almost a good thing. I'm like, okay, got that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Only 10 more failing times to go and then I'll get it. Like (laughs) eventually I'm going to get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, that persistence. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how much, um, that, that can really carry you and having that perseverance when times are definitely not going well. I mean, it's one of those interesting things, you know, you have to go out, you have to at least make the attempt. And it's interesting. You see so many people out there that don't even, they're afraid so much of the outcome or they have so much fear there, um, that it just keeps them from even going out and, and making that attempt or, you know, even kind of making that, shot you got to take your shot sooner or later right yeah and it's not just with skiing it's i i see so many people my friends who um were like extremely talented and you see them settle into some sort of desk job and it's it's this fear of failure a fear of like what people are going to think if you go for it and miss right Mm -hmm. um and yeah i don't know i think i was really lucky to be surrounded by everyone on our you know mogul team we were all going for our shot for so long. It just like felt normal. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Now who, so during this process and as you continue throughout your career, I mean, who are some of those people that you look back on or, or still kind of, you know, use as an ear to kind of talk to or whoever else, like who have really kind of helped you in your, in your journey? Is it family? Is it, you know, certain other coaches? Is it just friends? Because it's been interesting. You get a wide, wide range of uh, people that have come on the show and had totally different answers. So I'm kind of curious for you, who, who are some of those people? It's, it's both family and friends for me. For, for a, a huge impact for me was the friends I first made when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just starting to get into backcountry and like having the mogul background, but no backcountry experience. I felt like kind of a beginner again. Mm-hmm. And they were the kind of people that took me under their wing and showed me around. Um, they were the ones that like for the three years that I was trying to backflip into Corbett's, they were the ones that would help me find other cliffs that like kind of simulated Corbett's or would mm-hmm. hike something with me 10 times when they could have just been like, no dude, let's go skiing, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a huge impact for me. And the other one I would say is my dad. You remember my dad, he used to yeah. take photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has just been so supportive the whole time. Like, obviously like I went to college for computer science and he didn't even blink an eye when I said that I wasn't gonna apply for a computer <laughs> science job. I was gonna move to Jackson and wait tables. So mm-hmm. having him in my corner really helped. Now, why was, the, why was Jackson the pick? You're like that, because I mean, you have such a great spot in Squaw, which is where you grew up skiing, or I mean, I guess it's not Squaw anymore, Olympic Valley, I don't know what they're calling it yet, but Valley, California, whatever they're going to call it. But what, you know, 
why not kind of go there? I mean, why did you want to branch out and go? I mean, I guess if you're going into Big Mountain, Jackson's definitely one of those one of those places to do it. That's for sure. It is, and I so I was picking between Tahoe, Utah, and Jackson, mm-hmm. um, and Tahoe had just had their like four year drought. Okay, so that was a big one for mm-hmm. me that kind of crossed off the list, and. Um, I think I just needed something new. Like I had spent five years in Utah um, and I felt like so lost at the end of my mogul career that I was like, I just need to fully shake things up. And Mm -hmm. I, I had never been to Jackson actually. And I didn't know anybody here. And Mm -hmm. my dad helped drive me out, like me and all my stuff. He dropped me off at this room that I found online. And I remember him like taking a second and looking at me and being like, are you sure? Like, are you okay? I was like, yes, get out of here. I got it. And the first like two weeks I was calling him like almost every day. And I was like, yeah, I went skiing. I haven't met anyone yet. And then after two weeks, I was like, I met some friends that bye. Click. <laughs> I didn't call him for a while. That's funny. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's got to be an interesting drive and um, to be able to go out on a limb like that and, you know, kind of taking your shot and exploring a place you've never been. I mean, I think that 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 definitely speaks to your, you know, willingness to do whatever it takes to kind of get you where you need to go, you know, because there's, as, as we touched on earlier, a lot of people are not willing to take the plunge and be like, Oh, you know, what, what the fuck is Veronica doing? She's going to Jackson. Like, what is she going to oh, do? In Ch- you know, exactly. I'm sure I got tons of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine looking back. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I moved here without knowing anyone, but um, <laughs> I mean, you know how tight knit the skiing community is. So mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the easier places to make friends. You're like, you meet people on the hill and you're like, Oh, you like skiing. I like skiing. Cool. We're friends now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, it's one of those sports that um, kind of keeps key, even though, cause it, you know, skiing as a whole is pretty big, but then it's also super, super small. And it's like, talk to two people, then they know someone else and you're like best friends. Oh, yeah. Like you that. could, you could probably go to any ski town in America and know somebody there. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, another thing I kind of wanted to, to touch on a little bit, um, was you got into a little bit of coaching as well and you still kind of coach a little bit. You have this group of 11 year old, right. 11 year old girls yep. that you kind of, you teach up and, and everything else. So I'm just curious, like, what has that kind of transition been like for you? Because I mean, you were, the athlete kind of getting all that. And I'm, and I'm just curious now, how has that transition been for you? And have you learned a lot from teaching those kids that's kind of helped you uh, along the way in your own pursuits? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, the girls I coach, first of all, they don't compete at all, mm-hmm. or they just started kind of doing big mountain competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really refreshing to just be with them because they ski every weekend just because they like to ski. And I think that's important to remember. Um, and it always like brings me back to Allie and I were on squaw when we were little kids together. And mm-hmm. it brings me back to like why I love to ski and being able to offer that to them is like really special. Um, I also see a lot of them like getting scared and like, mm-hmm you know they're like standing above a five foot cliff and if one of them's scared then they're all scared kind of thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's been it's been cool for me to try to like come up with tricks to like get them to do stuff Mm -hmm. and to then like apply that in my own 
career if I'm ever like standing on top of the line and scared of something. Mm-hmm. What are some of those? What are some of those tricks? Um, I think most of the time I tell them stuff like, "Well, even if you do fall, like you're gonna be fine." Mm-hmm. Um, which with some of the stuff I'm skiing is like not super true. <laughs> <laughs> um, the my main trick is I when I feel scared, I try to figure out if I'm scared because I'm just nervous or if I'm scared because something's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. If like right. the snow is bad, if the jump doesn't look right, if the lighting is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to distinguish those two types of fears has been really helpful for me this year. Mm, that's interesting. I, I like that kind of being able to differentiate if it's actually like a legitimate fear or, or a legitimate reason that something's there or it's just kind of you're a little bit nervous or you're, tr- you're trying to figure it out. You know, it's interesting when I had Hannah Kearney on the podcast, she kind of talked about how she would work her way back from like uh, through her fears and everything else of like, okay, I'm really afraid of this, but what is like, what's the worst possible outcome that could happen? Like I get right. severed and, you know, my crash and my <laughs> skis decapitate me or whatever else. Like, okay, that's probably not going to happen. And then just walk it, you know, walk that fear back more right. towards like your own reality and your own, you know, what, what could actually happen? Like what, you know, that's interesting. I, I don't know if I really like to think about the consequences because I think with some of the stuff I'm doing, the consequences could be really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, like I said, like you can, when you are feeling the fear, there's like a difference between knowing that you're nervous, you're like almost giddy and excited or you're like, the fight or flight response like something's wrong here um i have like a specific example just from a month ago we were hitting this jump it's called old pass road gap okay and it's you're jumping over a road so you obviously don't want to knuckle um and the landing's not huge so you don't want to go too far either right and i remember all these guys were starting like from so high up and i was doing these speed checks and like i was like so scared just to do a backflip which Mm -hmm. I'm usually not. Yeah. Um, And I was watching from the top. I was watching these guys go and I couldn't see them actually take off. And then finally I said, okay, hold up. I'm going to like watch them from the takeoff and then I'll go do it. And I realized they were all like speed checking hardcore coming into the jump. Uh, And I was like so proud of myself in that moment for like taking the time. Mm Because I'm the type of person where I pick where I drop in from and I go straight from there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would have like, I would have absolutely launched and like landed on my head or something. Gotcha. So, but um, yeah, I think like if you are feeling that nervous, like figuring it out mm-hmm. has been, yeah. Yeah. Working your way through that problem and everything else, because I mean, that body can get broken up pretty easily when it comes to the, when it comes to the big mountain. So, I mean, what are yeah. some of the the new goals that you kind of have set for the season with filming and, and everything else? I mean, what, what else are you planning on flipping off of? <laughs> um so i have i have a bunch of things i want to flip off of i don't know if you're gonna like know any of these one of them maybe listeners will know it's called smart bastard okay uh it's just a like big kind of jackson hole classic okay that's kind of my main thing so i'm filming with tgr and i just like i want to put together a really good segment Mm -hmm. um and for me that means like ticking off a lot of jackson hole classics that okay um that are pretty pretty rowdy (laughs) how much of the mountain have you kind of gone through and, and kind of conquered? Because I mean, it is a pretty big 
mountain. And for those out there that don't know, like, you know, they, I, do they still have the sign? They used to have a sign that like, Hey, our black diamonds are not like a normal mountains, <laughs> black diamonds. Cause you have people coming from the East coast or from other places. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, I ski Killington and, you know, or I ski Sugarloaf or wherever else it may be, Hunta. And right. you know, it's super <laughs> steep and oh man, they're black. It's, it's not the same thing when you're out in, in Jackson. It's not. No, and yeah, you got to be careful when you're following tracks here. We have a lot of base jumpers too. You don't want to launch off anything. <laughs> um, but okay. So for the mountain, I, we do a lot of our filming mostly in the backcountry off, mm. off the mountain. So we take the tram up and like hike around. Um, I've ticked off. There's like, it's just endless. I've ticked off like a lot of things. I actually have a list of like the things I want to take off. And a lot of them right now, this is, just going to show you how my winter's been going but a lot of them are like I've tried it and I face planted and I have to try it again <laughs> so I'm working my way through it so when you're going through with some of those goals I mean are you a big time how, how do you organize that are you a big time list taker when you're kind of like okay this is what the way I want to set it down set out like what do I want to accomplish do you journal like at the end of every night like okay here's how the day was these are some good takeaways this is what i enjoyed this is so like how, how do you kind of tackle those things yeah i do i i journal a lot um just and i do the to-do list is like mm -hmm. key for me gotcha. um and a lot of times it's like working your way up to a goal you have to like break it down into little goals right mm -hmm. um uh so for me like backflipping off core bits I had all these other little cliffs that okay. I was like okay first hit that cliff like a straight air then like land three backies off this cliff mm -hmm. then blah 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 and so when I got to the competition and I could look back at my to-do list and I was like okay I did everything on my to-do list like I feel really ready um yeah kind of gives you that, also that with filming oh, go ahead yeah 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 um no just with filming I have like a lot of my the things I want to film are broken down onto like what type of day it is, like pow okay. day, bluebird day, gray day, just mm -hmm. so like the night before I can be like, okay, these are the things I want to hit tomorrow, depending on weather. Mm -hmm. So are you plan once you kind of tackle and, and how long do you think it'll kind of take you to tackle all of the stuff in Jackson, at least for the year? I mean, like, is this, you're, you know, is this going to be multiple years of, of trying to just take care of Jackson or do you plan on kind of rotating I mean around? That's a, that's a tough question. Cause like you could stay in Jackson and there's like a lifetime because there's gotcha. not only the resort, there's the backcountry all over the resort. Mm -hmm. There's the pass for backcountry. There's the Grand Teton national park. There's anything you can access on snowmobiles. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's a lifetime of stuff here that I could do. I do want to branch out though, just to mix it up. Um, eventually my like big, big goal, once I, have like ticked off a lot of things in Jackson. I want to go to Alaska and just try because that's just like a whole nother step mm -hmm. of like steeper terrain and like bigger yeah. terrain. Absolutely. That, that's definitely be a lot, a lot more to, uh, to conquer. Right. Now, are you going into, are, are you like along with um, some of the extreme stuff? Are you into like some of the cliff jumping too? I mean, are you going to do like some of the, you know, 250 foot, let's go for a big old cliff drop. Cause what's the record? I think the record's 255. Is it still? Because that was at Targi, wasn't it? I think it was at Targi. Yeah, wasn't that one like an accident? I don't something? think it was. I don't know if it was on accident. I think he had been planning it. But yeah, I think like 255 is the record, which is just insane. It is. It's totally insane. <laughs> it's crazy. And oh man, I, I want... 
I feel like I'm going to talk a little shit here, but I think it's a lot cooler to stomp and I'd rather keep it within stomping ability. When you're doing a 250 foot cliff, you have to do the lawn dart and land right. on your back, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Yep. And I don't know. I think it's a lot cooler to stomp cliffs. Right. To, to <laughs> ski out of it. Yeah. No, yeah. No. no, I definitely, definitely agree. Being able to land and kind of ski out of it. It's definitely, it's, it's impressive. But definitely Both pushing it. I mean, like getting like insanity. The... the other's like the realm of like, reality i feel like right like and and i'm still like all about pushing it i think like once you get to the like 50 60 foot like i've definitely taken some knees to the face and stuff and i'm love that um weirdly. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah definitely teams stay on my feet no that's that's good well it's good that You've got some good goals set out for you. And uh, what what kind of, are there any books or anything that you kind of read or you would recommend to people out there if they're thinking about coming out to Jackson or they're thinking about trying, exploring that world? Um, just kind of yeah. curious. Um, I, this one has nothing to do with skiing, but I recently read a book called Grit. Have you heard about okay. it? Yeah, yeah, I have heard about it. Mm -hmm. That one like really spoke to me. Okay, Grit. Um, just because she talks about like persistence a lot and like mm -hmm. how that leads to success way more than any natural talent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that I think like really, it really spoke to me just cause like I, I definitely did not have the natural talent like going into mogul skiing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of athletes in particular find success at a young age just because like that's how athletics work. Sure. Um, and for me, like I think I hopefully have, like a bit of an advantage, like not having success at a young age, just because mm -hmm. I'm like comfortable with failure. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent, I would definitely think that that, I mean, that mental ability, I think takes you so much further in, in your career than, than talent. You know, there's a great book. Um, you can check out talent is overrated. Um, that's a, that's a really good one. And they actually go into some of the scientifics of talent being overrated and, the amount of time being put into practice and training and hard work and how that actually um, can, can, you know, be much better in the long run for talent uh, or compared to talent. And it's it, it, yeah, super interesting books. So if you get a chance, um, that would definitely be a good one. I think you should, you should read one thing I kind of wanted to touch on is how has that backcountry kind of been for you this year? Because I mean, at least here in Utah, I mean, the snow conditions have been super weird. I mean, we've had so many places slide and, and kind of people that um, aren't experienced pass away. And then people that are super experienced and have, you know, um, all the right gear and all the right stuff that are, that are passing away too. So I'm just kind of curious, how is, how have you kind of approach that and, and what are your thoughts on that for this season? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough year snow wise. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's been tough for us filming just because, like safeties are always our first priority. Um, and so we haven't been able to get to these zones that are um, like a lot cooler looking for film. Mm -hmm. um, we've, yeah, you guys had that all extreme Avi danger day. That yep. was weird to see. Yes. Um, yeah. And we've had, a, we have had a few deaths. It's, we had like a really well-known local guy here um, died in avalanche and it was like such a, it was they were like building a jump out in the backcountry, which in if you do a lot of backcountry, that's like we I mean we all do it. It's like mm -hmm. what you think is like safe, right? You're like, sure. oh, we're not going yeah. to ski big lines, we're just gonna like build a little jump here. 
Um, and yeah, I think the stats, like when a really experienced person ends up dying in an avalanche, it's like you, the more time you spend in the backcountry, the more like likely you are sure. um, to have an accident. And yeah, it's, it's been really tough. And I'm all for like new people exploring the backcountry. Obviously, like I'm not a true local, like I moved here and like people showed me around. Sure. Um, yeah. But I think just like having a respect for it is super important and and people who come here just like frothing because they're like just coming out of quarantine or mm-hmm. um whatever it is it's like take a step back like the backcountry is always going to be there like these zones these that you want to explore these goals that you want to tick off it's going to be there like mm-hmm. you just have to wait for the right day yeah no i 100% agree. I mean, it's one of those things too. I feel like there's been so much more with COVID. Like you look at all the places, outdoor equipment is like totally sold out or it was for like months, you know, skinning gear or beacons or any of that stuff was so hard to find because people just wanted to be outside and be outdoors. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of novices kind of getting into it and trying to, you know, and that's see cool stuff to that see. maybe they're not capable of. Yeah. Like, honestly, like lines are annoying, but sometimes i think it's really cool that people are like willing to wait in two hour lines just to (laughs) get one out of skiing I'm like wow you guys are insane um and yeah I love it when people are like getting in the backcountry I think that's that's very very cool and like good for humanity but um I think like taking your city mentality and like just realizing that like you're you've never experienced anything like this and like you have to like totally adjust your mindset and like be respectful and ask for help like yeah yeah no absolutely well i i know you got uh some more uh prep for your filming and everything else tomorrow and the rest of the year when when do those movies kind of come out like when that'll be next fall is that kind of how that uh, yeah it's usually when they release them right uh-huh in the fall probably around i think it's october october okay yeah and so do you have to go around and do a lot of publicity for that? Like, will you go to, I mean, in normal times, I guess with COVID, it makes it tough, but I mean, will you, cause usually they, they kind of premiere those movies kind of all over Intermountain and the far West and kind of all those uh, different areas. So will you kind of get to go do that? Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. suppose, I mean, this is my first year filming with TGR. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see that part of it. You get to travel around and kind of like pretend you're a rock star for a bit and like get on stage and like yeah. whatever. How so. has that collaboration been with, with TGR so far? And for those out there that don't know that are TGR is Teton gravity research. Kind of that's, that's their film. They're one of the big uh, winter film companies for sure. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun. And um I have put been put together with this crew. It's Jim Ryan and Kate Zeliff. Okay. And they're they've both filmed with uh Warren Miller and TGR before. So cool. it's cool to have them around. They like um are helping me like figure out the film world. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also offered like such a new level of support for all these like goals I want to reach. If I say I want to do something, they're like, all right, we'll get like five guys there to like help you do this. That's really um, cool. Which has been really cool. Yeah. Yeah, supports have that support system definitely helps when you're trying to tick off uh, all those goals. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what charity are we donating to today? Uh, High Fives Foundation. Um, for those of you who don't know, High Fives helps people with spinal cord injuries from extreme sports. Um, I have had two 
three really good friends that work with high fives. Um, one, when I was really young, Jay Hickman fully recovered and big thanks to high five who helped him with that. Um, this last year, I had a friend, Pierre Bergman, who suffered a spinal cord injury, but is now already on a sit ski and looking forward to being on um, like one of those sit mountain bikes for this summer. Okay, cool. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah, well, we look forward to, and the arena looks forward to donating to that. Thank you uh, so much for, for taking the time and coming up with a great cause and good luck with the, the filming and, and everything else. And where can people kind of follow along on uh, Instagram? Just, is it at Veronica Paulson? It's actually at Veronica Bell. Veronica Bell. Which is how you know if someone actually knows me because they'll ask you if, if you know Veronica Bell and you'll be like, her name is actually Veronica Paulson. <laughs> but um, yeah, at Veronica Bell, I put all my stuff on Instagram. You guys can follow me there. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get to ski again soon you have to take me up to jackson you have to show me show me around because i haven't been up there since i was like 11 so we'll have to do a ski day yes yeah <laughs> bring everyone from park city i'll take you guys all down corvus i would love to <laughs> actually right, thanks, i would everyone. love to take okay who, i would love who? to take chris marchetti down chris, chris marchetti, marchetti. <laughs> the chris marchetti in in jackson or the chris marchetti here no, our Chris Marchetti, old mogul coach. I want him to come up and ski Corbett's. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to get Marchetti up there. That would be comical. That'll yeah. Be good. Well, maybe not comical. We'll see. We'll get him into some stuff. Right. All right. Thanks, Veronica. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bobby. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell button so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks.